Hey there, welcome to ATL in 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Welcome to Peachtree Hoops. Yeah, I'm I'm finally here. I was a bit of inside baseball. I was supposed to be on the first podcast that when we moved to Peachtree Hoops, but had a little family emergency. It's it's all right. So, but but it's good to be back, Kevin. Uh I, th- I think the topic of the day is going to be our daily grievance. Yesterday it was uh, Trey Young getting tossed. Today it's Trey Young not getting the Player of the Week award. Uh, can we keep up this daily pace of Trey Young grievances that are actually justified? We'll see. Maybe maybe today he'll just get I don't know a flagrant foul called on, him, or he'll <laughs> he'll commit a flagrant foul that wasn't a flagrant foul, or something along those lines. I, the Player of the Week thing, so. I see that Donovan Mitchell won it in the West, so that was just a – I mean, that's just such a PR stunt, so whatever. <laughs> I mean, mo- most of the player of the, player of the week, you know, they, they, they tend to have fun with it a bit, whoever whoever decides to vote for it because, no, I mean, Trey Young was like the best player in basketball for a week. I, I don't – I don't know, but it's, it's whatever, you know. Uh, uh, it just adds more salt in the wound of Trey getting ejected from when he was well on his way to having another 35 point outing. That so that it just double sucks. But luckily they play today, so you get some more Trey Young. It's like you get a get in a fight with your uh, significant other, and you think that they come to you with a with a peace offering, and all of a sudden they open what you thought was the peace offering, and it's another screw you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the, the the Hawks are the only team that could lose a Player of the Week award because somebody on the Utah Jazz played really well. And they're in the East. They're in the other conference. Yeah, I don't like. Who cares? Like, it doesn't. I don't care. know why they keep they keep hyping up that fake rivalry. It's it's. I mean, it was terrible last year, so it, it's fine. But it's fine. So, and, and to uh, set the no. uh, set the the agenda here a little bit, uh, we're recording right before a Miami Heat game. So uh, it's Monday evening, uh, about an hour before the game tips. So if if something dramatic happens in the Hawks Heat game tonight, we're not going to be talking about it. So this will probably go up late Monday, early Tuesday. Uh, but this is a pre Heat game recording. And I'm here with longtime uh, ATL and 29 person Tyler Jones. I didn't give you a proper intro. If we have new people with us because of Peachtree Hoops, uh, you want to give them you, the ways that they can follow you on, on Twitter and such? Yeah, uh, you guys can follow me at Jonesy2x4 um, on Twitter. Uh, if, you heard, you, if you're from Peachtree Hoops, uh, uh, you probably heard me from uh, Locked On Hawks with Brad Rowland a couple times, but yep. this is where I I do most of my podcasting from is with Kevin uh, KL Chenard on Twitter. So and and again, it's it's good to be it's good to be on. It's good to be uh to uh have a new a new audience, and uh you know I'm glad I'm glad glad to be here. All right, so there was. A story this week, and I. You, anytime you see a story like this, you wonder a little bit about okay, who said what to get this 
this rolling, but there was a story that the Hawks this summer were going to take themselves very seriously in the free agent market and would consider every type of free agent right up to the premium free agents. Uh, do you consider that to be any kind of real possibility? And I guess this was a story in The Athletic by Sam Amick, if we go full disclosure here. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Chris had wrote from The Athletic as well. Uh, he wrote something earlier about how the Hawks were going to try to pursue a me- meeting with Kevin Durant, which, I mean, yeah, if you get a meeting with Kevin Durant, go ahead and you, if you got a chance to sign him, you know, why not? It's Kevin Durant. Uh, it's interesting, you know, Honestly, it might just depend on if Trey plays this way through the rest of the season. Um, Because if, I mean, if Trey is this good already, then, you know, why not splurge on a Jimmy Butler? Uh, You know, his money, the money's going to be bad on the back end, but, you know, if if you're the Hawks, like, Trey Young and John Collins don't get expensive for another two years, you know, two to three years or so. So you can afford a three, three year contract with, you know, Jimmy, if he's willing to take that or, or like Al Horford or, you know, bring him back. That was somebody, uh, um, Nate Duncan and the boys were, were discussing as a potential option for the Hawks. You know, the Hawks have money to play with. So like to me, I, I'd have no problem if the Hawks decide to bolster uh, the roster with, you know, more quality basketball players, you know, to fill the holes that they have on this team, which is still, you know, wing play. Uh, even though Bembry, Prince, Herter, and Bazemore all have strengths and weaknesses, like you, you probably ideally would prefer a stronger two-way wing than Bazemore, um, you know, somebody who's a bit bigger than he is. So if they, that guy's available for, you know, two to three seasons before really if the guy that – if a good basketball player is available and you can get him for a short-term deal, I see no problem with it because, again, like, Trey Young is playing as if it's time to win now. Like, I found I have found myself getting mad at games again just because of how well Trey Young is playing and just how how he's outpacing the rest of the roster at the moment. I mean, he's been – I mean, to say he's been the best basketball player on the team for – it feels like what a month now. Uh, it, it's true. Like it, it, he's been, he's been incredible. He's been the basketball player. The Hawks thought they want to get two to three years from now, uh, but he's doing it. You know, currently, uh, we, we'll see if he keeps it up against Miami. But you know, you, you watch him play. He's not doing anything unsustainable. I mean, the, he's he's been hot from three. That that that's what's been really juicing him up. But. Sure. His threat, his it's really, really what's breaking teams down is that his threat to shoot from there has just opened up the floor, and he and you know it's it's created easier passing lanes for him. He's finishing strong at the at the rim, and he's drawing more contact just due to the fact that teams are too teams just don't want to give him open three point looks now. Like they're they're selling out on his jumper, uh, which is what we thought they were going to do from the beginning of the season. He had to, you know, it, it's taken him some time, but. I mean, he's just like the Trey's just playing with such confidence, and you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it had something to do with you know him hanging around the rookies and sophomores during the All Star break, and you know, Trey realizing that you know he's good, if not better than these guys who are on the floor with him. You know, he played well 
during that that you know exhibition and it's kind of I feel like that play from an exhibition has carried over. He's been a lot more loose. He's making more you know audacious passes, uh, <laughs> including a there is an audacity a bounce pass, a, a bounce pass alley oop in traffic <laughs> to Dwayne Deadman of all people. Like I mean, he's just he's just playing loose, free, fun basketball, and, it, and it's good to see uh, his progression from where he was. was all the way from summer league till now. Yeah, you, I totally agree with you. He's not just trying to be good. He's he's trying to be great. He wants to make the plays that get on Sports Center. Exactly. There was that play against and, and, Bruce Brown against the Pistons where, you know, he went through his own legs after what was essentially a fake behind the back pass. And Brown is like <laughs> running towards the free throw line while the Hawks go in for a two on one and just you know, Brown was chasing a ghost at that point. Yeah, I mean, he's just been filthy. It's it's awesome to watch. And so that that goes back to, you know, maybe that bumps up the timetable. Like, uh, you know, the Hawks are going to have, in all likelihood, two lottery picks. And then three, you know, they're going to have five picks in the first 45, you know, 45 draft selections. And two of them are going to probably be in the top ten. So, you know, the decisions are going to have to be made on, you know, what the Hawks want. Uh, do the Hawks want to make a playoff push? And I, I, I feel like it's really just going to depend on how good Trey finish out, finishes out the season. Because, I mean, if he's already ready to win now, and, you know, John Collins has kind of shown that he's ready to win too. Like, he's a borderline all-star this year. Um, you know, why not? Um, you know, you you got you got your two lottery picks now. You know I, I don't feel like they're they're trying to rush the timetable. This not this not a situation where the Hawks are trying to expedite the timeline. It could be possible the timeline is as good to go as early as next season. That I mean it just really all this just speaks to how well Trey Young has played played not just even before the All Star break he he was playing some great basketball, but it's really shown now just how explosive he can be uh, when he when he's got everything dialed in, he's playing with this level of confidence. So <clears throat> I guess there's a few questions to ask about free agency and player acquisition this summer. Let's, let's start with this one. Who is the worst max player that the Hawks should go after, right? Like if they get that meeting with Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant says, yes, you sign Kevin Durant. Cause he said Kevin Durant, but like, yep. You know, there's that sliding scale. There are other players that are going to merit max contracts. It's this weird kind of anti-capitalism where all the best players kind of make the same amount. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some point where that those max contracts to players who aren't as good, that's diminishing returns. Uh, wh- who would be the worst player you'd want to give a max contract to this summer if you're the Hawks? You see how I said with Jimmy Butler, I said two to three years, not the full four. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'd like to get some protection on Jimmy Butler on that fourth year. Uh, really, with any of these guys that aren't Kevin Durant, who aren't the top line, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, uh, you know, they're not going to go after Kyrie Irving, obviously. Uh, but uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, the, t- the top of the line, top of the line guys, the, sh- the no doubter top 10 basketball players in the league, you give whatever amount of money, whatever amount of years that they want, and you just, you know, move on. But if we take those guys aside, I would guess that next line would probably be 
Jimmy Butler is the only guy who maybe I go four years on, a, but with some like, with some uh, you know money guarantees that protect the Hawks if he, you know, if he has if he you know regresses uh, further due to you know getting older in age or whatever. Okay. Uh, just because Jimmy Butler would really fit, like Jimmy Butler, if you could take away that the outside stuff would be a great fit as a ba- purely on a basketball plane like he'd sure. be a great fit on this Absolutely. roster he he give he give this Hawks another ball handler get traded come off the ball more because you, you can I mean you just see bits and pieces of when Trey doesn't have the ball in his hands just how just how like just the options that are open to the ball handler like you know the Trey's defender has to stay on him and you know Trey's kind of I, I find myself being seen that Trey's done some some small little moving off the ball. Uh, you know, he's moving better off the ball more than what he was at the beginning of the season. So he's progressed on that. And if you get somebody like Jimmy Butler, who's a, you know, he's not a great passer, but, but he's a good one. And he, he's just good on both ends of the floor and would really plug in some holes that the Hawks currently have um, with the starting unit. But um, outside of Jimmy, that's probably it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch DeMarcus Cousins at all. Uh, Al Horford again would would like it'd be similar to Jimmy Butler, but probably only max out at two to three years. Okay. Um, you know, what about somebody younger? What about break? like Tobias Harris? See, that's a no, only because Tobias's best position is power forward. Like, there's there's too much. You know, Tobias is a good basketball player. Okay. Uh, but you know his his flaws just mirror what John Collins's flaws are, and while he'd be a big boom on the offensive end, you know, the Hawks probably need, they need stronger defensive basketball role players. They don't need another score. Like I, you know, the offense, the offense has been really good, uh, especially with how well Trey has played. And Tobias, like to me, he just doesn't fit what the Hawks need. Um, you know, you play him at small forward or power forward, you play John Collins at center, you know, you, you really run the risk of just, just being a you know a wet blanket on defense, especially with Trey Young being your point guard, you know you really want uh you know more just better, stronger defenders than what Tobias Harris offers. And I and I say that as somebody who really likes Tobias Harris's game, but just just based on what the Hawks have and what they need, I I don't think I think Tobias would be a luxury piece, um, but um, on a better basketball team than what the Hawks would potentially be with him on the on the roster if that makes sense like him in philly makes perfect sense to me considering ben simmons ben simmons and joel and beach strengths and weaknesses as basketball players sure but on the Hawks, you know i, I just don't i just don't see him fitting uh he, he couldn't be like sense. a better but, version of tory and prince I mean, he could, but then you, you run into my problem. The the bigger problem with Torian Prince is that, you know, he's not strong defensively either. Sure. So now you're going to run out a lineup where Tobias Harris is really a power forward. You're going to have him play small forward. So now you have three perimeter players who are all bad defenders. Like, you're just <laughs> not going to get stopped. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and so, like, like, to me, the biggest – like the biggest thing the Hawks need to look for either through the draft or free agency is ideally a two-way wing who's strong defensively and can make open three-pointers. Um, so last, you know, last one I'll throw out from the Max group, Chris Middleton? 
You know, it's funny. I don't think Chris Middleton is strong enough defensively. And overall, I, I would I, be worried too, like just me, about age and yeah, and also just quality of player. Like he's just not, he's just not on the level. Yeah. Uh, somebody I would be willing to throw max money for any amount of years. Like he's just not. Like he's a good, Chris Middleton is a good basketball player. I'm not saying he's a bad one, right. but if you're gonna pay Chris Middleton thirty million dollars, uh, that that just feels like an overpay. Um, and you know. I just, I just don't see the like. I, I just don't see the Hawks needing to splurge that amount of money for somebody of that caliber. Now, again, like he's, if if, if that was Clay Thompson, heck yeah, because Clay Thompson is going to age well. You he's know, like one of the best not, five he, shooters of all time. Yeah, exactly, and you know he he's a good defender uh, in his own right. He's not he's not a great one, uh, but. You know, and then you know you may have to have some decisions to make if you want to start Clay or Clay at the three or just move, you know, whoever off the bench. But Clay Thompson is good enough to to warrant those types of conversations on how you want to construct your starting lineup. Uh, you know, Chris Middleton uh, probably isn't. He's just not. He's just on either like he's just solid on both ends of the floor. He's not. He's not great. Uh, he's a borderline All Star. He's somebody I'd be okay with paying, like you know, twenty to twenty-five million per season, um, depending on the amount of years you get him for. But if you're if you're gonna pay him more than that, you know, you just you just the opportunity cost is too great on that end. Like, I agree. You know, the Hawks don't have to get somebody. That's the other point. Like, they get a top-end guy, and that that's the line. The line to me is Jimmy Butler, where you'll have to have a hard conversation on that fourth year. But outside of that. Like if, you know, you know, maybe go one to two years on somebody like Alfred Aminu, um, you know, or, or you know, poach poach somebody like that, or maybe trade for Aaron Gordon. Well, that right? that was you my know, other question. Who, is like, I was going to ask you, you know, is is let, let's throw away the max contracts and just talk about those those middle guys, and you know, those are always the ones that are a little bit scary. If you get too many guys in those middle contracts, suddenly you're the Charlotte Hornets, you know doling out money to MKG and Cody Zeller. You know, they've all got those middling contracts and you try to put the pieces together and it's like, hey, we can make this great run at an eight seed and it's not very exciting. Um, but, you know, is there somebody who you'd be willing to pay sort of the medium amount, a medium tier free agent where, you know, you just have a soft spot for them if you could get them on a deal, like you said, for Butler, you know, in that two to three year range? Um, you mentioned Al Farouk Amino. Would he be fit fit that kind of mold? Yeah, just because of how strong he is defensively, and he can make an open three pointer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's not a great shooter, but he he's good enough where you know at least he can he can hurt a team for leaving him open. Uh, there are probably other guys I'd really need to see the what the like. I, I'm not I'm not so in tune because you know. I've been more in tune with the draft just based on I thought the Hawks were going to be bad for the next two seasons. Right. And, you know, I haven't really paid attention to, <laughs> to the – How you know, quickly the, things the, change. The next, the next, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, you know – and again, like, it it doesn't feel like an overreaction because Trey Young has been this good. And it's – and it, like, I feel like he's figured something out uh, as a basketball player and – He's not going to be a 35 plus per game player. No. That's not what we're saying, but you know, just just the quality of the Hawks play, uh, 
has really taken another spike. Even, you know, there was the John Collins spike, and now there's the Trey Young, um, the Trey Young really coming into his own spike. And with, you know, with that being the case with Kevin Herter, you know, showing flashes, you know, it, it, it kind of bumped up the timeline. So now, like to me, you know, Alfred Amino, those types of guys, there's, there's always going to be guys like that. You know, even doing something like what the Hawks did with Alex Lynn, um, you know, maybe take, maybe take a flyer on a, somebody who, who disappointed on their, on their uh, previous team, you know, take a two-year cheap flyer on somebody like that. That was probably something the Hawks were always going to do. But now with, you know, with the Hawks' young guys playing so well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the Hawks get a little bit friskier on who they get, you know, maybe somebody with a little bit higher upside uh, who disappointed. So, uh, again, I, I don't have the full list of the free agency, so I don't, I don't really know. But, you know. Am I going to have to give you I, homework? You know, trade, <laughs> uh, you know that's, I feel like that's off-season homework. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, you know, just two-way wings, you know, you know, who are more solid on the defensive end than offensive. Um, I have one are, of those. I have a soft spot for. for. You tell me what you think of Go this ahead. one. Danny Green. That's a great one. Yeah, two years. Why not? Okay. Uh, two years, what, 18 to $22 million. I mean, he's been fantastic for Toronto. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, he – I mean, he's he's a bit small for the three, but – I mean, he's such a good. I mean, he's such a good defender and just a good basketball player. And then you you can have Kent Bazemore coming off the bench like that's, you know, that's strong. Um, and you know, it's guys like that. Like, yeah, you know, you throw. And so that that that's what it means when the timeline got bumped up now. Um, but this all again, all this depends on if Trey Young keeps this up. If Trey Young reverts back to what he was in November, I don't I don't see that happening. But if that does happen, then you know maybe. Maybe we're just talking out our buttholes here, but <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that, yeah. But like guys like Danny Green or um, who's somebody else? But you know, just you know, two way wings in that mode. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, just kind of throwing around topics here without even a good segue, but something that. I was wondering about, and it's probably already come and gone. So this this is almost like a past tense topic at this point. But you know, and, and I wrote about it for Hawks dot com. What did what did you think of that two week stretch where Vince Carter was a small forward? Like, could you have imagined that based on what you saw back in November? Nope. <laughs> uh, I I thought Vince was done. Like. I, he he wasn't making shots. He wasn't playing well. Now all of a sudden he's, I mean, he's quietly been really good this entire season, and he's been versatile on where they Hawks can play him. Um, you know, they can put him on big wings at the three, and you know, as long as they're not, as long as they th- those wings don't rely on their quickness. Um, you know, Vince has done pretty well. He's you know, he's done pretty well in that end, and. Like I could totally see the Hawks just doing another one-year deal with him uh, sure. if he wants to. I mean, worst uh, case just scenario, he's how just well... a guy in the locker room. Exactly, and just how just how well he's played, and you know, it it sucks. Like to me, it sucks for Justin Anderson, but at the same time, I completely understand it. Like, 
you know, flat out Justin Anderson can't make an open three pointer, and the Hawks. I mean, it sounds like a broken record, but they already played DeAndre Bembry, and it feels like it feels like for Lloyd Pierce, the worst shooter he's going to put on the floor is somebody of DeAndre Bembry's caliber, and right. that's it. Like that that's the only one. Everybody else has to be able to make an open three pointer. They have to, or they just can't play. It doesn't matter how how positive they are on the defensive end. Like they, there's just no place in Lloyd Pierce's rotation for non-shooters, and. You know, for better or worse, that's that's what the Hawks are going to be going forward. So, you know, Just Anderson just doesn't fit this roster, and Vince Carter does. And you know, it's all for the development of you know Herder and Young, and they they need even though those guys are pretty good shooters in their own right, they need great shooters around them so they don't get crowded, and you know they can really they can really take off on what they can do off the bounce. Uh. Again, just kind of throwing out topics without segue here. Uh, you know, the, the backup backcourt at this point, uh, with Jeremy Lin going or getting waived and signing with Toronto, we've got Jalen Adams and DeAndre Bember, who you were just talking about. Does does that pair fit? Like, do, do their part, do their skills complement each other as, as two players coming off the bench together? Sadly, I'm not matter? sure Jalen Adams. Yeah, I don't think it matters. And like Jalen Adams, just he he's just not ready for the NBA. Uh, though he did play better against the Bulls, you know, outside of making uh, three pointers, like he he just doesn't provide much of anything on the sure. offensive end. Uh, and then defensively, he's he's the worst defender the Hawks play by far. I don't think it's even particularly close. Like guys just go through him like he's not there. Um, but, you know, at the same time, the Hawks, he, he's a developmental guy, so I wouldn't give up on him just yet. And this is why, and this is why they dropped Jeremy Lin, uh, because if they didn't, if they did, I mean, if they didn't buy out Jeremy Lin, the Hawks probably aren't even the fifth worst. Like, they, they probably have a much better record than what their record is now. Like, they, there's some if games they didn't they buy him lost. out? Yeah, Jeremy Lin. Like, I don't know. He, he's, um, I'm just, not saying this with any kind of delight. It makes me a little bit sad, but he has struggled in Toronto. Yeah, he was he was struggling in Atlanta. That's true. But he's still a lot better than Jalen Adams oh, sure. was. Sure. Uh, and that and that's my point because when Trey Young goes on the bench, like it's just it's automatic runs now. It's it's like it's really bad. Like the Hawks have no like there's nothing anybody can do when Trey Young is is off the floor because uh, they don't have anybody who can really penetrate and create for themselves or others, except for what we, the little taste that we saw of Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter actually running the point guard. I'd like to see that more. Um, one, to force Kevin Herter to, you know, be a part of the action because he will fade into oblivion if, you know, he, he, he kind of goes ghost from time to time. Uh-huh. That, that's something he, he really needs to work on as a basketball player, but, you know, really have him run the off- offense because, um, and it's tough with Trey know, playing this well. You know, it's it's hard to get the ball out of his hands, and deservedly so. I mean, he, de- exactly, he, he deserves but, to keep going with it. Exactly. But so it, it'd be interesting to see if they try. Um, you know, this is something Jeff Siegel was talking about uh, the other day on, you know, Locked on Hawks, fellow Peachtree colleague, yeah. Jeff Siegel. Just because we're at Peachtree Hoops doesn't mean you have to say anything nice about Brad. 
Hey man, listen, he's your boss now. So <laughs> I, I think I think we need to be double nice. Uh, oh, all right, sorry, I got nice it backwards. Um. So, but anyway, but anyway, you know, this is some Jeff was talking about how he'd like to see Kevin Herter uh, get some of the backup minutes because we, we tried Denbury. Denbury's just not a good enough pa- like he's just not good enough dribbler passer. Jalen Adams, he's just too limited with the ball and has not to say that Jalen Adams can't figure it out, but you know, currently, like he's just not good enough to to run an NBA offense at the moment. So maybe try I, I agree with you to a point. Like I would try mm-hmm. to get that for Herder for like a minute or two minutes or three minutes, but I don't think I want him being permanently the the backup ball handler. And here's why: just if you, if you look at like the bench unit versus the starting unit at this point, it's like they put all their eggs in the starters basket. Like they're not trying to balance. They're not trying to make sure that the bench is competent when the starters sit. It's just like, what's the best starting unit we can put out there? What's the best thing we can do for Trey's development? And then the bench is just kind of this mixed bag of pieces that, I mean, I kind of like Jalen Adams with DeAndre Bembry, but to be honest, you know, most of these pieces just don't really fit. And I think the best indicator of that, if you, you know, for the last week or so, has been watching Alex Len with the starters because he just looks like an entirely different person. Like when he's played with the bench units, it's he hasn't looked that great. And all of us, you know, he, Trey gets ejected. Uh, John Collins gets hurt. And, you know, he's playing with the starters now, and he just looks phenomenal. Even beside Deadman, Vince Carter, no matter who you put out there with him, he, he looks like a totally different player just because he's getting the ball in better spots. He's playing with better spacing, and it just w- works out so much better for him. And I'm kind of afraid I mean, that, you know, Herter would face the same fate if he was trying to lead the, the band of misfits off the bench. This is true. It also helps that Alex Lynn has played a lot more of his minutes alongside Trey Young. That's probably the biggest, you know, difference. It's just that he's getting easier looks. And also, I actually did want to talk about Alex Lynn for a bit just due to his uptick in three-point shooting uh, recently. It feels like he's made another adjustment to his three-point shot. I think a lot of it's and... just health, to be honest. Like, he was... If you know, watching him in the preseason, I was like, "Holy shit, he can shoot!" And then he had that like that big fall, and then there was some talk about him hurting his back, and that's exactly when his shot didn't look that great. I mean, maybe it's just ebbs and flows and streaks and all that, but I, I do think he got a little bit dinged up. And you know, the first time you're a three point shooter, you know, he doesn't have any experience with it; he's never done it before, and I think. You know, trying to play through nagging injuries and things like that the first time you've ever done it, it's a little bit hard. You know, it requires a, a fine-tuning of your, you know, your reflexes and your, your athletic, you know, coordination, you know, that, that he hadn't really tried to do before. And to do it with a bad back or whatever else was bothering him, I, I think that may have been part of it. I, I think the raw skill is there, but, you know, I'm not sure that the health was. Yeah, you, I mean, you may have a point. Um, it, it probably is. Uh, it pro- like it probably was health related. Might have been also him adjusting to guys closing out to him more. Right. But you know, all this to say is that you know his his shot just in general looks a lot better oh, than yeah. what it was. Um, yep. So even, even if he's starting to if he starts to miss again, like he's not going to go five for eight, you know, every night or anything like that, but. But it, just in general, his jumper looks a lot better. 
So that, that's been some – that's a great development for him throughout this entire season because, I mean, if he can make open three-pointers, you know, that, that's, a, that's another boom for the Hawks. Like, that's – I mean, another – Another point in the Hawks development tag where they're getting these guys and they're and these non-shooters and they're they're turning them into shooters. So on on that front, that's great. On the other, it's been pretty disappointing that Justin Anderson just can't make anything. Like uh, yeah. even I, though I like his game a lot, like if he could if he could just smooth out that jumper, like he'd be great. Like he'd be the exact player the Hawks currently need right now, which is a plus defender <laughs> who right. can make open three pointers, who's big. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, it, it's been disappointing that Anderson, Anderson's just been, uh, you know, a, a no-show on that end. It's also disappointing that, you know, Spellman got hurt, considering I thought Spellman was kind of getting into a groove, trying figuring things out on, you know, offensively and def- defensively, really showing, you know, really showing us what he could do as a basketball player and, you know, overall, you know, it's probably, it's pretty unfortunate that his season is most likely is over now with this high ankle sprain. But, you know, I, I, I've liked what I've seen from Spellman, and, you know, hopefully he can he can have a strong summer and bring it uh, during summer league. Yeah. Um, going back to Len for a second, you know, I think you, you mentioned his shot looking better. I also think he was a little bit more versatile than he was at the beginning of the season because at the beginning of the season, all he was shooting was corner threes. And now he'll go take those ones from from the you know the diagonal angle as well, which is pretty good you know given as much as the Hawks like to use double screens and pick and pops and uh, you know a lot of different elbow actions to to have that kind of flexibility helps. He's not just the the weak side. Hey, we we hope they'll guard you out there, guy. He can be part of the action and make those shots now too. Yep, and that I mean. And then all that just helps Trey Young even more. It gives Trey, you know, more options. You just can't, you know, now teams just can't trap him up high because uh, Trey will force the issue and get an open look for a decent three-point shooter out there, or whether that be Deadman or Lynn. So that's that's been positive to see overall with Lynn. And, you know, Lynn's kind of proven to be a very good investment for the Hawks, you know. Uh, that two-year contract looking like is going to be plus value next season considering what all he can do as a basketball player. Um, we kind of started with Trey Young. Maybe we could would end with a little bit more Trey Young here. Where do you think he is defensively compared to where he was at the beginning of the season or, or what he needs to do to, to get to the point that you know he can be a point guard on a reasonably good playoff team? I mean, he's been much better in general. He's fighting harder. Like He's getting after. He's being physical. Uh, I don't know what the metrics say. Uh, one, I don't have, I don't have the money. I, I'm, I'm not paying for that level of access. So, like, I don't really know what his defensive metrics are looking at as of now. But I feel like there was a turning point for him this season where he stopped being a wallflower and started, you know, playing with more effort and physicality on the defensive end. Now, there are a lot of plays where you just see him not, you know, not try. Uh, and those are kind of disappointing. But when it comes to winning time, he kind of brings it. And really, it's good to see him fight for, you know, defensive rebounds and, you know, try try to be a help defender, even though he's just, you know, he's kind of ineffective, you know, trying to block a shot at the rim, which what he did, what, which is what he tried to do against Zach Levine, of all people. But <laughs> at, at the same time, it's good, it's good to see him trying. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's, it, it starts with effort, and it, it feels like he's bringing it, a lot more and 
you know, guards just can't go through him as easily as they could at the beginning of the season. Now he's still just small and, and, you know, relatively frail based on average NBA, you know, point guard. So right. some guys, he'll, he'll get taken advantage of for a couple of possessions, but he'll change things up and force the issue and cause a turnover or cause a miss due to him, you know, being smarter um, instead of, you know, being more physical or, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll have some counters on that end to really, to really uh, stop impede, you know, guys from just going at him all the time. So that, that's been great to see. Um, but you, you mentioned know, I, him. I imagine, to... Oh, sorry. Uh, I, you know, and you know, when he, when he gets on switches, it, it's good to see him compete. Uh, you know, it's not ideal, but you know, he competes well enough to where the help can get there. Uh, and you know, all, like to me, it just feels like he's playing with more effort and physicality, yeah. uh, just overall, and he's just more confident as a basketball player. That's true. You mentioned him trying to block Levine at the rim. Uh, you know, he he's not the greatest high flyer. <laughs> like if if you watch him in his pregame stuff, you know his go to dunk is the one where he kind of throws it up to himself off the backboard. I think that helps him in a couple of ways. Uh, one, I don't, I don't think he can palm it that well for a dunk, so he, he doesn't really want to go up for the, the one-handed slam, and I'm not sure he's high-flying enough to, to go up for the two-handed slam. So his, his go-to dunk in the warm-ups is flip it up the, off the backboard and then you know get the upper part of his hand over the rim to push it down. Yeah, he's not he's not a as as they say a vertical spacer. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's but he he's got the amazing horizontal speed though. That and he's really good. He's really good at angles. Uh, now finishing at the rim, that's something that's also improved from him. Is his finishing at the rim? It, it's always been it's always been pretty good. It's uh, always been better than I expected. I like, to be honest, yeah, like, but I, I, I was like, like I, I don't know. Like I feel like he's taking another leap in that, you know, he's using his left hand more and he's really finishing through contact really well. And he got this little like flip layup. Uh, I feel like it's a jump hook, but he's so small that it'll never be called a jump hook where he kind of, <laughs> he kind of just like just flips it in. And, uh, you know, it, it looked nice. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of tricks in his bag finishing around the rim now. And he, he finishes with great physicality. Uh, like he, he goes through guys. He he accepts the contact. That's why he draws a lot of fouls. Um, and and I feel like again, like I feel like he's he's just gotten more confident as a basketball player. And now you know with that confidence, he 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 feels confident. You know he he feels like he can finish through guys. Uh, you know he he likes to flex his his little arm muscles that he has. I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he he loves his like, sleeveless I, sweatshirts. I, yeah, it's. It's very amusing to watch him flex uh, when he finishes through contact. But you know, power to him. He's he's doing it. He's doing it at an impressive rate. And you know, man, I do think he's yeah, stronger been, than he was six months ago. Yeah, I think I think he's put in the work in uh, during the season. So. All right, we should probably stop there. I've, I'd I'd say that I have to go do my day job, but really, it's I have to go do my other night job, which is. You know, to do stuff regarding this uh, Hawks Heat game. But the good news is if we stop here, we can do another one very soon. Yep. Uh, so, you know, in terms of uh, the administrative stuff, 
you know, go follow ATL and 29 on Twitter. Uh, if, if you're listening and we don't follow you on Twitter, uh, send us at us on Twitter and we will follow you. We're in full follow back mode. We want you to see our stuff and we want to hear from you too. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you, Tyler. No problem. Have a good one.